0: Log Talk Radio.
1: and welcome to the balance. This is a very special balance as we today we take time to remember the 9-11 attack, attacks and you know we're going to dive into <clears throat> to this and and, and just kind of remember it as it happened. We've got Rick Riggin, obviously Air Force vet, our college football guy is going to we're, we're going to be getting into college football at, in about 30 minutes but we're going to take 30 minutes here to to remember the 9-11 attacks. And Scott Lamb had been on with us for a while as a U.S. Army veteran, recent uh, Army uh, veteran uh, with us as well. And, you know, certainly 9-11 has a lot of different memories for a lot of different people. But at the end of the day, uh, terrorist attack brought down American Flight 11, United Flights 175, American Flight 77, uh, and United Flights 93 attacking New York City at the, at the Twin Towers, Washington D.C. at the Pentagon and because of some real heroes, real heroes. Yes, unfortunately another plane was lost and, and dropped, uh but uh because they were uh, you know the, the saying let's roll uh is now uh, ingrained in our brain. So we go now <clears throat> to uh uh, we'll start with uh, you, uh, Scott. Good to have you back on. Uh, and tell us a little bit about your life, not ha- what was going on with 9-11, and really a series of things that maybe 9-11 had an impact on your life going forward.
2: Hey, Don. Good morning. Glad to be back on the show. Uh, yeah, good morning. Yeah, today. Uh you know, so I was in my second week of airborne school when it happened, and I remember we stopped training, and uh, they, put, they pulled us all into the big parking lot and wheeled out one of those old uh, tube-style TVs on a cart. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably about an hour after everything happened, and uh, we all—about 200 of us—gathered around and just watched the TV out there in that parking lot uh, for the remainder of the day. Really, uh, they pulled some people out, uh, the some students out that from the New York area and had some family in that area. So for a lot of people, it really hit you know, very personal to them. Uh, for me, my, you know, my biggest part of it is the, is the remembrance. Uh, I want to make sure that people do remember and that it's not a forgotten thing. Uh, I was watching the, that Netflix series the other day, The Turning Point, and I'm mm-hmm. laying in the bed watching it. And Sarah, Sarah left. It, it's emotional for her, and she can't watch it. And for me, I can watch it over and over, watch the act, and I, I get, I can get so angry, and just get a fire burning inside of me every time I watch it. And I will make sure that it's, it will never be forgotten in my mind.
1: You know, That's a great story, and especially you know being a part of the military myself, and going through, been through the same training that you've been through. Uh, you know, it, that's very intense training, and so for them to, to actually literally stop it, well, in, in, in my military career, I never saw anything like that or, or heard of anything like that. It's amazing that they, they did that. Rick Regan, you were actually in boot camp, I believe. You've told us in the past on 9-11. Tell us a little bit about your 9-11 story and, and, and the impact that
3: it's made on your life. <laughs> Yeah, so the, the day that happened, we literally met our squadron commander. I remember he was a major. I don't remember his name. And he was telling us about <clears throat> kind of what to expect during boot camp, really, because this was uh, your basic training, I should say, and military guys really say boot, you know, boot camp. But, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, going through basic and tell us what to expect and the, all the motivation tactics and everybody uses, you know, to get the most out of you, you know, during basic training. So that was like that morning at seven o'clock in the morning. So we're going through our our daily routine and th- this was maybe around two hours after the attacks happened is when they got us all together. They really sat us down in this big conference room connected to our dorms at basic and told us all what happened. But we literally just got out of the meeting with the uh, the squadron commander in the morning talking about motivational tactics, right? So it's really unbelievable. Uh, it hit home later that afternoon, I guess, when they're asking if anybody had family members that worked at the Towers or the Pentagon. They get to call home because, of course, you're in basic, You don't get to call home, you know, maybe once a week at the most to just to let everybody know you're okay and that's about it. But uh, had a guy uh, in my flight, and the Air Force or not platoons, are called flights. I uh, had an uncle that worked in the Twin Towers. He got to call home and check in on his uncle. And uh, that's when it really hit home that it was a real thing. So, of course, that was your motivation for the rest of basic training. And that was pretty much my four years of service, uh, supporting uh, going after Al-Qaeda and uh, starting jets to support the Iraq war.
1: And we appreciate your service as well. Joining <clears throat> us now, at least from our, our other studio room, <laughs> is our social media director, Melissa. Melissa, we appreciate you. We never get to – in fact, it's the first time you've ever been on with us, but she does a lot of behind-the-scenes work for social media and, and show prep and stuff. Uh, but, Melissa, tell us your 9-11 story. <clears throat>
0: Um, Well, I wasn't in the military, but I uh, was working at the airport, Indianapolis International Airport at that point. I worked in the administration building for um, the company that that ran the airport for the airport authority. And um, I remember I had the radio on, and I remember hearing that um, a commuter plane hit one of the towers. And I thought, what knucklehead is – Flying in New York's airspace, you know, and then um, we uh we went into we went into the boardroom um and we started watching the sh- the television and um I remember watching that second plane hit and i don't I don't even have the words for what I thought at that point because it was complete, like the most shocking thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, And then they turned the television off or at least took it into the president's office. And then, you know, the peons didn't have access to it anymore. Um, But I had the radio on and we listened to it all day. Um, But I also, I watched the planes come out of the sky that day and there are four runways at Indianapolis International, and I they were using all four runways to get planes down. Um, and for those of you that aren't aware, Indianapolis has a lot of – they've got a lot of pavement around there because there was um, the United States Post Office. They had a hub for all of their planes that was no longer being used, but we also have one of FedEx's major – Hubs, we have flights that come in and out of um, Indianapolis constantly, so there was a lot of space to put a lot of planes, and they put I don't even know how many planes on the ground that day. Um, Got it. But just watching those planes come out of the sky was it was surreal.
1: Oh, it absolutely was, and then, you know, add, add piggyback on the Indianapolis story here. Flight 93 was actually being tracked. Uh, by the uh, uh, Indianapolis uh, air air traffic control. So the air traffic control stuff that you hear on the tapes that you hear uh, with Flight 93 uh, was originated here in Indianapolis. Melissa, I appreciate you so much. Uh, Thanks for joining us. And I know you were working hard on the background to make this show a success.
0: (laughs) Doing all I can. Thanks for All right, we'll see Bye
1: so as you can see just diversely the impact that it's had on all of us you know i heard a saying this week uh that said you know we're all shareholders of 9-11 9-11 belongs to every american in it and in different ways and maybe we we own more shares than other, but we all are shareholders in, in 9-11 and for my me my story is, goes you know back around to you know being with radio and you know, back, I'm showing my age. Then, but uh, but back in the day, um, we had beepers. Uh, so my beeper went off, and it was the radio station 911. And I thought, today's date. Why am I? Because it didn't mean anything to me at all. But it didn't, the the code 911 didn't register in my mind. So I called the radio station and had me come on for the next. Four 48 hours I was at the radio station and we were, uh, Greg, Greg Straw, if you were here in the Indianapolis market, you know him very well, uh, certainly with the Colts Radio Network uh, and, and uh, here in the local area with Greg, I worked with him and uh, we we're uh, 48 hours and we did so much work. We were getting people calling in from New York City, from the subway, from Washington, D.C., uh, from the Pennsylvania area. It was just, amazing. And, and we suspected everyone of everything. I mean, every little piece of garbage bag was getting the bomb squad called. Every little luggage that maybe someone forgot to pick up was getting the bomb squad called. And again, uh, right here in Indianapolis, um, where I'm located at, in fact, where our studios is located at too, it's just a hop, skip, and a jump, maybe five-minute drive from the Indianapolis airport. So you're constantly, constantly hearing planes go over. It was very surreal to not hear that at all. And then people just went into full-blown uh, panic mode. You know, and what I, I really saw on 9-11 is we came together as a country. And, you know, certainly uh, George Bush was a man of the word. And we don't really want to make this a political thing. But, you know, we, we have stayed in Afghanistan for 20 years for a reason. And so we want to stay together as a country to make sure that, that that doesn't happen. And we rely on our future military people to make sure that that, that, that doesn't happen. Uh, but, you know, so in, in the process of, of putting uh, the, the show together, I uh, came up with uh, some sound bites. So we'll, we'll go here for about five minutes, five and a half minutes of this. So uh, grab you some coffee, take a listen. It's pretty powerful stuff. have just received the word that a plane apparently has crashed into really the tower.
0: Something relatively devastating happening this morning Here's
1: there. The, there is more and more fire and
4: smoke.
0: Another plane
5: has hit tower Two. A uh, horrific scene here. There's um, debris flying through. It's
4: directly in the middle of uh, one of the World Trade Center towers. hours of
5: the World
6: Trade Center-
7: happened here at the World Trade
4: Center we noticed flame and an awful lot of smoke from one of the towers of the World Trade
8: Center there has been some sort of explosion we don't
5: what is happening, you can see there are choppers. I believe that could be a police helicopter that is, oh, oh wow, we just saw, my goodness, another, another
6: live picture right now. Oh my goodness, um, what I believe was a plane that just hit another plane.
4: It does not appear
2: that
1: there's any kind of a, an effort up there yet, now remember, oh my God. That looks like a second plane. Just I didn't see a plane go in. That that just exploded. We I just saw another plane coming in from
5: Down. We're watching a lot. It is great.
1: kind of gives you an idea of what it was like that day and you know just seeing and, and a lot of and, and like what uh scott said earlier you know you could watch this stuff over and over again and it does bother a lot of people and you know i'm I'm like you scott i i think that i i just am so uh emotionally attached to this and and, and scott i mean rick i know you know my son of course, Zach went on to go into the Marines later on, uh, several years after that, the fact. But uh, it encouraged a lot of young Americans to, to go serve. You were already in boot camp or basic training, Rick. Um, but what, what? we'll start with you, Rick. What impact do you think that it happened, had on the military recruitment efforts after 9-11?
3: Well, I, I tell you what, like being in basic, we didn't get to watch the things happen as it unfolded like most of the country, like everybody in the country did. It was Sunday. So in Air Force Basic, I don't know Scott can, you know, talk about this with the army, but they kinda even if you're not religious, they kinda encourage you to go to church on Sundays just it it's to take an hour break, you know, an hour away from basic really. So it was that Sunday after. They played a, a slideshow of all the images, you know, the the people jumping out, you know. They showed all these pictures and images at church, which for us was the, the saddest day for me, the saddest thing I witnessed, I've watched. But you, you left that day, and here to answer your question, if that doesn't motivate you uh, to serve, if that if it doesn't motivate you at all, you have no business representing our flag. Because we came out of there pissed and ready to put our two cents in after just being in basic for one week, so that is how I guess they cater their recruiting efforts. I don't know for how long they did it for, but that was the primary uh, recruiting: is let's go get these guys, let's go get these bad guys. You know, uh, me and Scott talked yesterday about President Bush. A day or two after the attacks happened, that speech he had at ground zero, oh, yes. I feel like it right. was the best presidential speech I've ever heard. Uh, say what you want about President Bush for the Iraq war, but that man stood tall uh, during these terrorist attacks and going after al-Qaeda. You know, you're, that, you're <laughs> absolutely
1: right, and uh, I follow uh, Ari uh, Fletcher, uh, the White House Communication Director on Twitter – He's not doing it today for other obligations, but for every year that I can remember, he has tweeted his notes of what was going on that day at that time. And it gives you a lot more powerful impact. You can can follow him on Twitter. Just go catch him on Twitter. You can go look at the past uh, tweets. But, uh, But he talks about what was going on that day with George Bush. And, you know, just think about what – political party aside, uh, think about what kind of an impact that that is just immediately thrown on your shoulders, that now you immediately have to, to, to go to work and, and, and get get things going. And, and that scene of him in the classroom and, you, you know, and, and just the the scenes in Air Force One, uh, him staying in Air Force One, they had planned to, to stay up there. And he was like, no, we're going back to Washington, D.C. They said that that was not a good idea, that, well, know, you can address the country in other ways. He's like, no, I'm going to address the country at Washington, D.C. And he did exactly that. So – um, But Ari was his communications director, and just to hear the detail, behind-the-scenes stuff that happened with George Bush, so yeah, fantastic president. And in a lot of ways, because exactly what you said, Rick, he may go down in history as one of the greatest presidents. Again, political stuff aside, there's reasons that we can dislike every president. Um, But the fact and the way he handled 9-11 is truly cemented in his legacy. Scott, uh, talk with us a little bit about, certainly as the day went on and the, and the months went on, you know, as we were certainly entrenched with the uh, war on terror, what you can talk about and what you feel comfortable talking about. But what was it, because I know that you were involved with that and certainly appreciate your service immensely. So what you're comfortable with, feel free to share with us what it was like to, to actually be a part of the war on terror.
2: Well, you, you know, there's, there's a couple things you've mentioned so far in this segment that I wanted to touch on uh, also. You know, you talked about everybody being a shareholder. You know, I have re- really appreciated Melissa's story, you know, of being in the airport that day and, you know, the impact that it had just across the country. And then you talked about unity. Uh, you know, when, when Bush went and uh, he, he could have acted immediately, uh, but he, he didn't need Congress's approval, but he went to Congress. And I think it says a lot that every c- Congressperson, except for uh, Congresswoman Barbara Lee, had voted yes. Every senator voted yes to go to war. And, and Barbara Lee, she, you know, she had uh, her, her no is definitely respected because it was uh, the orders that they were voting on were very broad. And, that, and she just wanted more specifics. But every person voted yes for that. And then you talked about uh, recruitment. Uh, and the, that has an all volunteer military, you know, uh, and that's it's been that way since the draft in Vietnam, that it became an all volunteer force. And you look at the people that started to join, you know, Pat Tillman left his NFL career to join because he felt that need to go and serve. And uh, we started getting a lot of people like that in the military. A lot of all the first responders, the towers we were getting a lot of people from you know that left their job at the nypd or the new york fire department and started to join the military because they wanted to serve it was the the unification across the country i mean it was it was surreal
1: absolutely and you know and i wish hopefully at some point we can get that unification back in our in our country um you know, there's something to be said, maybe there is, that we didn't, in 9-11, it's hard, it's hard to believe that I'm actually saying this, but we didn't have iPhones going constantly. We didn't have Twitter going constantly. I can just only imagine how much of a rift could have been created had that been around as, as we know it uh, today. Guys, we are uh, doing the balance. We're going to be going here in just a few minutes to our college football talk or our regular football talk. Uh, make sure that you are, uh, when you tweet out today and you tweet something out about 9-11, make sure you use the hashtag. Never forget, and we'll be using that throughout the show today. Cincinnati Reds just recently tweeted, today we honor the lives lost in tragic events of this date 20 years ago. We continue to heal and pay tribute to the men and women who bravely serve our communities and our country. Hashtag never forget. That comes from the Cincinnati Reds. And there's just all kinds of uh, tweets out there. The Texas A&M University tweet, 20 years later, we remember and will never forget. Hashtag never forget. That's from Texas A&M University. Ohio State University, pretty cool. Got a logo with a 9.11 and with the uh, twin towers on that, remembering and honoring those lost 20 years ago. Hashtag never uh, forget. That's from. Ohio State Buckeyes. So we are going to be getting into some college football. Big game today, and we're going to uh, preview that here in just a few minutes. in the Air Force and the Navy, really excited to, to do that. Guys, we're going to take a quick break, but why why we do this, and we're just going to roll into the break and then back out into the uh, college football talk, Adam Jubin is going to be joining us as well. Uh, so we're going to be breaking down college football week two. And I do not want to talk about Indiana. That was an embarrassment to the least. And even as far as the as the jersey being misspelled, so we've got a lot of fun stuff to talk about today. My name is Tom Mark with Del Presidente, but we talked about on the show last week about the Nebraska Cornhuskers, and I believe you guys probably have seen the video. Uh, so the, there is a lot of visual stuff, but just to kind of give you an idea, there's a uh, former Navy SEAL carrying an American flag wearing a Nebraska uh, uniform uh, marching down the streets of, of, a, of a town, uh, I presume in Nebraska, and walking toward a uh, band of people standing in front of him. And he comes to stop, and the band of people begin to move forward. There's, there's obviously someone who had been hurt uh, and lost a leg, and uh, veterans and first responders. And, and, and we take time, and we think about the veterans. Let's think about the first responders, and let's certainly think about the firefighters that lost their lives on 9-11 at the Twin Towers, and the, and the people that, that actually survived it, are the the stuff that they're still still dealing with today. Um, so we're going to go ahead and play this uh, Nebraska uh, spot, and then we're going to roll into our college football talk right here on the Balance Radio Network.
6: winding roads have led. Uh-huh. I can see a day of gold ahead uh-huh. It can't be done impossible they've said But I'll
8: game because I know what we're playing for and you can see the pain on people's face that were service members that seen people pass away and not only that the family members who lost family in 9-11 so you you understand what it means the
1: professionalism the skill and the depth of courage of our first responders and the degree of difficulty that they have in their jobs, but the way they stepped right to the forefront 20 years ago, I mean, that, that,
3: that, that's in your heart, too. Especially understanding how important it is for America,
2: um, important it is for a lot of the service members, people who have served and are still serving today. Uh, we know it's going to be definitely a very important day for them. So we know that we have to come, we have to put on a show, and we have to
1: just have fun with it and understand how important that day is. Just any time you play a game, you know, a service academy game, is you have young men, young women at each one of the, the schools. They've made a commitment for our country, you know, and the ideals of our country. All the good stuff that's the United States of America,
8: that's what they've committed to.
1: All right, welcome back to the balance. My name is Tom Mark with El Presidente. For our first 30 minutes, we have uh, dedicated to the tribute of 9/11. This is the first time that I can remember actually doing the show on 9/11. It's been quite a quite a while, and you know, just to kind of give you a brief history as as to uh, our show, uh, we started several years ago. (laughs) You know, 10. Plus 12 years ago we started the show with it just a, a silly of an idea because something new was coming out uh, called a podcast. you we well, we just try it uh, me and Kevin and Josh and we thought well this we started something and then you know, we started working with it so it took a little while, while for us to get to where we're at now but and we're growing all, all the way but the whole thing about what we wanted to do was just create the ability to talk about all different kinds of sports and, and hence the racing is a part of that. Uh, but football, basketball, what have you? Uh, but, but the balance, and then that kind of is how the name came about. But we also always wanted to remember, and, and Kevin was a vet, also. We wanted to somehow incorporate into the show how we how can we always remember nine eleven. That's how our show started being aired, or we started recording it at, at nine to eleven, and then we realized we could start doing it live, and then we started getting our, our radio station affiliates. So we've grown a lot, but the 9-11 time slot is a timestamp to uh, 9-11. We're joined by Scott Lamb, a, a U.S. Army infantry veteran who was uh, part of the War on Terror uh, and has been on the show before. Certainly he's a, he's a good prognosticator when you want to. Uh, talk uh, the, the betting odds for the game. So he's a great uh, uh, guest to have on. But he hasn't been on in a while, so we appreciate him taking some time to join us. Uh, Rick Regan, our official college football prognosticator, Air Force vet, and was in uh, boot camp basic training on 9-11. Uh, and, and backtrack a little bit, Scott was uh, on, in airborne training on 9-11. Joining us now is Adam Jepsen, our official college football uh, co-pilot. How are you doing, sir, on this 9-11? Let's give you a moment to, to talk about your thoughts and memories about 9-11 before we get into these games.
7: Yeah. Hey, Tom, how are you doing? Can you hear me okay?
1: We can hear you just fine.
7: Okay, perfect. Um, you know, I was a sophomore in high school um, during 9-11, and uh, it was it was one of those things that you, you definitely, obviously, never forget, but I think I, more than that, The thing that impacted me the most was a few years later when I was able to make it to New York, um, and I was able to see the memorials that had been started to be built. Um, I was able to meet a couple of the firefighters. um, Now you're fading out a little bit on this there, Adam. Oh, can you hear me
1: now, Tom? Uh, Barely. Are you in a tunnel or something?
7: How about now? Is that better? Okay, there you
1: go. There you go. Much better. Go ahead. There we go. <laughs>
7: I, I tried. I tried the headphones and it wasn't working. <laughs> um, <laughs> no worries. So, I I I would. Uh, I was saying I was in high school, but when I was in a few years later, I was able to get to New York and actually had a chance to meet some of the firefighters and first responders that had awesome. been in the towers that day um, and made it out, and as well as a couple survivors who had family members who didn't. And I think that's the thing is, is it we? It's really easy to look at everything that's happened since then and 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 consider, you know, the ups and downs. And and I think the one thing that will never be forgotten is the way that the country rallied together for a common cause. We were all hurting, we were all struggling, and we all just were looking for um, a moment of peace. And we found that in each other, and we rallied together and helped pick each other up. It was in what was our probably toughest moment since Pearl Harbor, turned out to be our strongest moment maybe in the history of our country. And I think that's the thing about 9-11 that makes it equally hard but also special. And we have to always be thankful for those first responders, for those firefighters, for those police officers, where in, in today's society it's tableau to say that I support the police or I support you know, the different people that are doing these things because of, of politics. And it should never get to that point. And that's my thing that, that I, I – it's just – it's it's a hard – it's a hard thing.
3: I totally,
1: totally agree. Adam Jimbin, uh, a super Brown Sound Buckeyes fan. Love the tweet that the Buckeyes sent out. I know you're not on the Twitter universe, uh, but uh, it was a nine dot and then one one in the shape of the Twin Towers. Uh, and hashtag never forget from the, from the Ohio thing, State Buckeyes. know? Yo, did you see that? Okay. So let's, uh, yeah, let's, I let's, let's jump into today's game. The highlight of, of today's game may not be the game of the week, per se, is what we will we'll, we'll typically talk about. But for today's sake purposes, it is the game of the week. It's a service academy. Obviously, Navy, it's not Army-Navy, uh, but it is Air Force-Navy. And I, quite honestly, we're going to start with you, Rick, because you're Air Force guy. Uh, but uh, service academies, nine eleven. 11 Great jerseys. Talk to us a little bit about this game. Give us a preview. But I'm going to go on the side that, hey, yeah, uh, Air Force pulls off a, a win, uh, a back-to-back win, uh, and certainly that will put Navy down at 0-2, and that's never good for any team, but especially if you're a team like Navy. Go ahead, Rick.
3: Yeah, they actually scheduled this game uh, on purpose to play each other today, uh, being 9-11, and the Air Force is going to wear the uh, – b 52 uniforms, which I think mm-hmm. look pretty sweet, but uh, Navy's wearing the Marine dress blue for their uniform, which also look incredible, so I don't know who's going to win the uniform battle. Uh, I do agree with you. I even uh, put five bucks on my fighting falcons today to cover that six-point spread, so I'm going Air Force mm-hmm. today, uh, but uh, one thing you will not see at this game is anybody taking a knee. Uh, <laughs> And not on a day like today, and against two with two service academies, it, it's going to be a special moment. They I don't know how many months ago it was when they decided to play that game today uh, to com- commemorate 9/11. But uh, it's going to be an incredible atmosphere. I, I wish that was a game I I could go to. That would be incredible. Uh, but I am going uh, with my Fighting Falcons today. There you go. Well, you know you're absolutely right. We could get into an, another discussion about the knee and
1: the, how the the NFL just totally butchered playing two national anthems, but we're not going to go there today. Scott Lamb uh, is with us as well again, uh, Army Infantry veteran, war on terror, uh, but also a college football expert. I mean, the guy. If, if you want some, where when it comes to the betting odds and, and how to how to play the win the DraftKings. He's, he's a retired millionaire because of it. No, it's a kid. But uh, you, are, you are on your way to go play golf. So uh, the Army-Navy game, Scott, what are your thoughts? I mean, not Army-Navy. <laughs> we can talk about that another time. Yeah, Air Force-Navy, what are your thoughts? Scott? I Scott, are you think waiting? I'm more excited about those uniforms. Hey, hey, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear
2: you. Oh, yeah, I, I'm really excited. Rick said he didn't know who was gonna win the uniform battle, but I I really liking those uh those marine dress blues of navy and I'm gonna pick navy to to cover that six points. But air force is, I I got Air Force to win, but I don't think it's gonna be more than that. <laughs>
1: Adam, what are your thoughts about uh Air Force and Navy?
7: You know, I, I I'm I don't have a dog in the fight. Um, I was not uh Actually, I was I was going to to go to one of the uh, service academies, but I couldn't pass the physical uh, because I had ongoing back and feet problems. Um, But I have family members that have served in all branches, Um, so when during the Army Navy Navy Air Force games, things like this, I just I just get to enjoy watching. Uh, people that are going to serve our country and serve well, play a game that we all love and just give them like a respite from, from what's going to happen. I do think, I think it's, I'm kind of going with Scott on the spread. I think it's going to be tight. Uh, I think it'll probably be one of those things where I could see it land exactly at a six point win uh, for Air Force. But I think Air Force is one of those like teams that, that no one's gonna want to play late in the season because they're just they're they're disciplined and it kind of rotates like every year which service academy has the really good program and this year Air Force is really solid.
3: No, I do agree
1: with you. I think Air Force has got a, a great uh, opportunity to uh, to show themselves this year. So hopefully that happens, guys. We, let's get into this. Let's let's dive into it. Uh, we're back to normal. The, the balance, college football, Adam. Rick, and Scott's joining us as well. Oh, my gosh, last week was an embarrassment for Indiana, so we'll we'll just bypass that. But let's start with you, Rick Riggin, Notre Dame. Woo! Got a a win, anyway. Uh, I have to admit, though, I know where it was going, and and it's been blown out of proportion. But I literally was watching the postgame there with Coach Kelly, and he thought, you know, we didn't execute well. And then she asked a question. He goes, I think our entire team need, needs to be executed. I, I texted you, Rick. I was like, wait, did he, what did he just say? But I know as a Notre Dame fan, you weren't happy with that win because that's about as ugly as ugly gets. It was beat up with an ugly stick uh, against Florida State. It shows us a couple things, and I think it really exposes Notre Dame. But I'm going to let you, Rick, give us the analysis of that Notre Dame-Florida State game, Then I want your thoughts on Slido. I don't think we've got a lot to worry about. Certainly Notre Dame on the road to to Toledo, but if I'm Toledo, I'm going to see some spots that maybe uh, that Notre Dame needs to to fix
3: this week. Go ahead. Yeah, an 18-point lead in the second half, and then the defense collapsed. And I don't know, I don't have an explanation for it other than we were really aggressive all first half. Uh, through halfway through to halfway through the second quarter, really, uh, we had. Florida State's like minus nine yards on offense or something like that. Other than that one big play that we gave up that was a touchdown. But but still it I don't know why we went away from the aggressive defense and just uh we got up to eighteen and then seemed like we played not to lose instead of just playing to win. And I I don't know all I've heard all off season is Marcus Freeman is the greatest defensive coordinator since Slice spread, and uh Notre Dame probably should have lost that game last week. I mean, they really, with a, a collapse like that, I mean, I'm I'm glad we got out, out of there with the win, but uh, I'm not happy about that. But I, I'm giving them one more chance with my money this week to cover the 17 points against Toledo. All right. Uh, maybe they look at that film from last week and here's how not to play defense. Do the opposite of that. And maybe they covered the spread this week, but I'm I'm not happy of that, about that game still.
1: Yeah, I, I know it's a, it was a, it was a tough win. You, you think about tough losses, but that was a tough win. Scott, is is uh, is Rick gonna run away his money to cover that 17 point spread? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, I I would stay away from it. Uh, you, you know, you, you look at last week's game against Florida State, and I mean. Notre Dame went on the road to, to a very hostile environment, and Florida State isn't as bad as they have been the last three years. Uh, they made some good halftime adjustments, and Notre Dame got a good road win against a Power 5 team. Uh, I do expect them to beat Toledo you know, by two touchdowns,
1: but I'd stay away from the spread. Adam, uh, we uh, we already uh, talked about Ohio State-Minnesota last week, so we'll go on to a huge game, uh, probably one of the biggest games on the schedule today. Ohio State is on the road against number 12, uh, Oregon. You guys are still ranked at number three, but I, I can guarantee you one thing Oregon is is, is ranked much uh, higher. Uh, they should be ranked much higher, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Oregon should be. Ohio State, Oregon, it is your turn, Adam. Tell us what's going to happen.
7: Yeah, I mean, should should Oregon be ranked much higher? I mean, they've struggled really hard, really hard against Fresno State. Uh, you know, I, I think, especially knowing that Oregon yeah, has – Yeah, that's
1: a valid point. I remember us uh, talking about that. Go ahead.
7: Uh, knowing that Oregon, they have some issues with health. Their best player, um, potential number one overall pick, Kayvon Thibodeau uh, had to leave last game in a walking boot, and they said that all week he was day-to-day. They were going to evaluate it, but they did say it was a high ankle sprain. I don't know how a defensive end on a high ankle sprain on his push-off leg is going to be able to do anything against Nicholas Pettit-Frayer, who is – skyrocketing up draft boards to the point that Matt Miller has him as the number one offensive tackle in college football now and says that if he performs well against Kayvon Thibodeau, he could be a top 10 pick in his own right. So I, I just – I don't see this turning out well. You're going to – the horseshoe is going to be rocking today. Uh, C.J. Stroud, again, we, last week we talked about it, night game on a Thursday in the rain against a very seasoned opponent, and they still won by 14 with the least amount of snaps played last week by any offense in all of college football because they had so many quick hit touch in the second half. I just look at this game. I think Ohio State is going to be
8: juiced,
7: and uh, and, and we're going to bring the heat today. So I'm, I'm personally thinking, I know it's a 14-point spread. I think Ohio State wins somewhere to the tune of like, 45 to 20 because I also look across the aisle at, at, at Oregon's quarterback, Anthony Brown, and dude struggled moving the ball against Fresno State. Have fun. <laughs> I, I mean, that's, that's it.
1: <laughs> well, you know, that's a, lot of, that's a lot of juice to cover, though. Scott, what are your thoughts, uh, Adam, and his thoughts on, on the Ohio State-Oregon game? And maybe you agree with him. Is, is Oregon uh, ranked too high? In my opinion, I thought, they, I thought that maybe they should be in the top ten. But the, there is some validation there in the game they, against they played against Fresno State. So go ahead, Scott.
2: Well, I saw this spread this morning on DraftKings. It was 14-and-a-half, and I got dollar signs in my eyes. So I, 14 would be the number. At 14-and-a-half, I'm taking Oregon to, to cover
1: that. No no problem. All right, Rick. Uh, you know, it's just because – it, it, It's something to talk about. Last week's game against Iowa was a total embarrassment with Indiana. Then you had the misspelled jersey. I think they've got to immediately replace that quarterback uh, situation there in Indiana and address that. That's just me overreacting because I'm an Indiana fan, but let's face it, Indiana did nothing but throw up last week. They got got Idaho this week at home. Maybe there's some redemption there, but they're certainly out of the top 25, which is Indiana hadn't been there in a, in a while, uh, so to be booted out of that in, in week one, and have that kind of a game in Iowa, I mean, it's just, you know, makes you want to do the Game of Thrones, uh, shame, shame, shame.
3: Rick, right. well, let's talk about IU. Uh, yeah, I'm still just as shocked as you, because uh, that game was on during a, the Afternoon time slot here. Several other games going on at the same time. I was watching that, flipping back and forth. I think you might have been doing the same thing we were talking about. I was, yeah. Uh, I, I, I can't explain that loss because I know Iowa is not that good. They're not a world beater. Yeah, they might be disciplined because that's just how Iowa is every year, but to handle Indiana the way they did, uh, you know, it's tricky in, in, to picking in the to win today against Iowa State and lay a little of money, money on that. So uh, we'll see. Maybe it's just a week-week, a bad matchup for IU last week, uh, but definitely something's got to do with 180 in, in that program because uh, that is not a Tom Allen football team I watched last week. I don't think it was anybody's team that we watched last week. Uh,
1: Adam, I know you're an Ohio State guy, so we'll, we'll, we'll let that that fly with you guys. Let's go ahead and get some of these games to watch, and we'll talk. We'll get Scott's influence on if you want to play the DraftKings game or whatever. Let's talk about uh, Pittsburgh at Tennessee. Uh, you know, you can call it the Johnny Majors bowl if you want, uh, but I, and I don't know why. They're, they're, did they start like at nine o'clock today? Is that game literally going on right now? But I think that the Panthers are going to be uh, sneaky tough against um, Tennessee. Uh, Adam, what are your thoughts?
7: Yeah, I, I mean, Tennessee is – I feel like every year people are like, this is the year that Tennessee is back. And then every year they're not. Um, <laughs> you know, their their quarterback is, is Joe Milton, who was at that team – you know, he was with that team up north last year. And frankly, yeah, I would love reject. to see Joe Milton. Yeah. I'd love to see Joe Milton, like, ball out for Tennessee just to laugh at Harbaugh. Like, I don't know. That's just – I mean, that's just my thing. <laughs> but, you know, Pitt. Pitt's always one of those teams that, like, they have a game or two that they just, like, will, like, curb stomp people. And it just kind of comes out of nowhere. Uh, I don't know if that's this week. Um, but I. I just – until Tennessee actually puts together – a season of competency, I just don't know how you can ever pick and or get excited about them. Because, I mean, they haven't been, like, legitimate since around Peyton Manning. I mean, it's been forever.
1: Hey, you 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 guys want to hear it? I'm a bonehead idiot move I just made. So I do everything from home these days. And so I work from home. And my company that I work for is based out in San Francisco. So everything that I use and sometimes is, is West coast oriented. So it was pulling up the time for Pittsburgh, Tennessee at 9 a.m. Pacific time.
3: I'm <laughs> <laughs> not, not, like, to they literally going right now? So that's my bonehead. To I don't know, but I'll be ready to turn on my guide on my TV and check it out. <laughs> I'm like, so that would be why what's going on is because
1: I, I work on West Coast time, so <laughs> everything is, is set for West Coast. So you know, it, it is what it is. It's it's, it's my, my my freebie, if you will. Uh, but you know, uh, Melissa's always going to ride with Tennessee and her volunteers. So we'll we'll see what how, how if we got some juju going there as well. So, uh, but Scott, what are your thoughts as far as? Uh, you know the cover and, and everything on. I don't know what the spread on this game,
2: but but at Tennessee. Yeah, I haven't looked it up, and to be another one, I'd stay away from. It. If I had to pick, though, I'm going to pick Tennessee to win by about four points, something like twenty-four uh, twenty, and that's about all I got on that one.
1: Okay, uh, let's go on to the next. We'll start with you, Rick. Florida, Florida, South Florida. I'm sorry. I mean, obviously, this should be an easy. Uh, uh, Gator win. Uh, they travel to play within the state. That's maybe a big deal. I don't see a lot here at
7: Florida or South Florida.
3: Yeah, uh, look at Florida's uh, win last week. It was really not that impressive. Kind of, kind of unfulfilling if you're a Florida fan like that Notre Dame win was. Uh, uh, but first week of the season last week, we will see uh, this week if they can uh, actually look better because they didn't look that great last week. But uh, I am taking Florida. Easy win today, uh, but we'll see being that SEC East. Uh, they're not playing like an SEC East team like they were last year. I mean, definitely not last week. But I am taking Florida to win easily today. Scott,
1: uh, any uh, advice for us on that game or do you just move on? I mean, we don't have Scott. Scott, are you with us? All right, well, let's just go on down. We'll start with you, uh, Adam. Texas A&M is at Colorado. Uh, The Pac-12 with the best chance and with the huge win isn't Oregon, it's Colorado. Uh, What what are your thoughts?
7: Yeah, you know, Colorado a few years ago, um, you know, they were in the Pac-12 championship. They're They're a really up-and-down team. Texas A&M, they're building a good program. I just don't know who plays quarterback for them. They've kind of had, like, they didn't have a really strong quarterback commitment coming out of the spring. Uh, But they've got really good pieces up and down the rest of the roster. I think that's one of those games that a a gritty Colorado team, if they can get a couple turnovers, uh, could make that a, a tighter game. Um, but I think I'm, I'm looking at A&M winning by double digits, probably like low double digits, like a 13, you know, touchdown and a couple, couple field goals.
1: Scott, are you, are you still with us, buddy? Hey, Tom, I don't know if you can hear me. My signal's
2: in and out. I'm going to have to drop off. Uh, if, you, if you can hear me, I appreciate you having me on the show today. Uh, and I'll, I'll try to listen to it going forward.
1: Okay, uh, no problem. I totally understand. We can hear you loud and clear now if you want to stay on, but it's totally up to you. Okay, I guess he's gone. He's gone. He he gone. gone. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, we're back with you, Rick, and, and uh, we are running a little bit behind. I wouldn't say behind, but we had the nine eleven 11 coverage that we wanted to make sure that we could tear up. We don't necessarily have anything etched in stone for racing, so we don't have a hard drop per se, so we can get through some of these. If uh, Steve happens to drop on, I didn't get a, a, a final on him, and, and of course, we'll be talking to Tony Donahue about the NFL, but let's uh, get back on track here. Here's a big game to watch, or maybe just a fun game to watch. You got number 10 Iowa and number 9 Iowa State. I mean, college uh, game day's in Ames. I mean, this going to be a Big Ten – or, I mean, Top Ten Clash.
3: Uh, Is this heaven, Rick, or is it just (laughs) (laughs) Iowa? Well, it's definitely the game of the week this week. You know, how week two goes, it's always kind of a – things come back to normal in college football. I think there's only two ranked matchups this week, I I believe. uh, This is the game of the week. If you look at how Iowa State performed last week, you can look back at their history and their games against the FCS schools. Uh, it's not real good. Uh, that was the case last weekend. Uh, I think they only won 16-10. Can't remember who their opponent, but definitely a, a lower-tier program they played. And uh, Iowa looked great against IU last week. Uh, I'm taking Iowa uh, today. I've laid a couple of dollars on them, uh, so sticking with it. Hey, you know, you, last week in a, in a tweet
1: you mentioned Castle, so I'm gonna just reverse that and say uh, Wrights would have looked good. Evansville Wrights would have looked good against IU last last week. So, hey, I, I don't like know that to we're hear gonna say a, that. Uh, <laughs> High school team, <laughs> the Castle first one that just jumped to mind. <laughs> <laughs> and Adam, bringing you in the the loop there. Uh, we're we're both from Evansville, and he's an Evansville Wrights guy. I think he went to North. Rick did, but I went to I went to Castle. So I went to Central. Check. Dallas yeah, Okay, so it was just kind of one of those things that a high school team could have made. I, I mean, could have looked good against IU this week. Uh, but uh, let's let's move on. Let's move on. I digress. Uh, let's talk about this Texas Arkansas game that that happens uh, this afternoon. Um, Steve Sarkisian.
2: Yeah.
1: Sarkesian. Yeah. You can just call him Sark, but it's Sarkese. Okay, we'll just call him Sark. Got a nice win <laughs> last week. We have to follow it up with an old uh, conference rival, Texas at Arkansas. Adam, what are your thoughts?
7: Yeah, I, I, I fully expect Texas to win, primarily because Arkansas is terrible. Um, I, I don't really know. We won't really know how good Texas is until they get into one of their couple decent opponents, one of those being... Oklahoma in the Red River game. Uh, we'll see how that turns out. I expect Texas to win just because I can't – I think our last time Arkansas was good was when Bobby Petrino was there like like eight years ago. So, I mean, I like I said, I expect Texas to win. Um, but from a score perspective, I mean, I'm going to guess – Probably seventeen twenty. I think they'll win handily primarily just because, again, Arkansas sucks.
1: Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Uh, Rick, you have any thoughts on Texas-Arkansas?
3: Yeah, you know, this game and uh, a lot of people don't know this. This is a, is a rivalry game actually. This is like a low-key bad blood rivalry game between these two fan bases and I don't know what it is. I don't know maybe if you got to be from the Texarkana area or or what but there is beef between these two programs and when they finally get to play each other you know it, it, it's actually uh the tailgates are amazing uh there's brawls in the stand and uh I'm with Adam here I, I think Texas gets the win but I don't think it's going to be as easy uh like Texas won last week uh I know Arkansas is bad, but I just think the uh, the bad blood here. Now, you have to be from that area to know what I'm talking about, and I'm not from that area. It's just stuff I come across and read. Uh, this is stuff I didn't even know, that this was a thing between these two programs. But I think being in Arkansas, I think the game's at Arkansas, and Stark is still trying to figure out what he's got as a team, I think Arkansas is going to give them a game. Texas wins, but closer than the experts think.
1: Rick, we'll stay with you. North Carolina State and Mississippi uh, State, certainly in the ESPN2 game. But uh, Mike Leach, you know, pulled off a win last week against Louisiana Tech with a fourth-quarter comeback. Uh, But I think North Carolina State's going to be a little bit tougher than that. The Bulldogs got to do something to get themselves ready and do it fast because North Carolina,
3: here they come. Well, it's crazy because Sam Howell is one of the best quarterbacks in the country, and they got completely handled by Virginia Tech last week. Uh, Same with Mississippi State. I love Mike Leach as a head coach, but he is not an SEC head coach. Uh, That air raid offense is not going to work down south, and it might work against North Carolina. I think North Carolina writes the ship this week and gets the win, but uh, both of these teams looked pretty bad last week, especially North Carolina against uh Virginia Tech. Uh I know that Mike Leach went, went down twenty points, twenty four points and came back and got a one point win or something like that. Uh that's pretty bad for being in the SEC. And uh I'm taking North Carolina here, but I don't think it's gonna it's gonna be an ugly game to watch really.
1: I think you you're absolutely right. Um and I agree with your your theory on, on Mike Leach. Adam, uh, what are your thoughts here on this Mike Leach uh type of coaching and of course again had a close win over Louisiana Tech but North Carolina State going to be a little bit tough. What are you got any thoughts on this game?
7: Yeah, I, I mean I think with Mike Leach like I I I do disagree a little bit with the air raid offense. I think the air raid offense could work if he was in a program that had a little bit more recruiting juice, but the air raid really can't work if you're using Kids that are coming out of high school as two or three star recruits, like they just don't have the speed to be able to maximize what each wants to do. Um, but yeah, I've, I've got North Carolina winning primarily because, again, they just have the better quarterback. I don't. I'm not as high as everybody else was on Sam Howell. We thought be he overall, or to be the highest rated quarterback, Heisman Trophy winner potential, which is what was talked about all offseason. But, but he's the best quarterback there, and I think he helped them get back on track, uh, right up, as Rick said, and and start to put together, you know, what hopes for them to be another solid season. You're listening
1: to the balance on 9-11 and we uh, took the first 30 minutes to talk about and remember 9-11 and we encourage you to take some time today to remember those that we have lost forever, uh, both from the military and first responders and, you know, innocent people that were, were killed on this day 20 years ago. Uh, and we're now back into our normal schedule uh, with college football. We are going to go ahead and, and just continue to move forward. If you guys are okay with this, uh, we, we, uh, and in, in just continue our college football talk. It looks like we're not going to be having our racing segment, but we'll go ahead and finish up some of these college football talks. And if you guys need to go, that's fine. Just let me know. But let's go ahead with you, uh, Adam. We'll stay with you. You know the the, the first Southeastern Conference game of the year will feature an improved Kentucky offense. Of course, I'm referring about Missouri at Kentucky, uh, four o'clock over on the SEC network. If you can get that, I can get it. But I've heard a lot of people can't get that network, which is kind of surprising to me, as big as SEC is. Um, but Adam, what are your thoughts, Missouri at Kentucky?
7: Yeah, I think I think Kentucky wins. I think Kentucky is. You know, under Mike Stoops, they've been slowly kind of building themselves into like a decent mid-level conference team um, that may every once in a while jump up and, you know, bite one of the big boys. Um, I think Kentucky wins. Um, but, you know, they've, what, what, what they need to be able to do is find that consistency um, throughout the season. I, I think Missouri, Missouri has been super up and down ever since they went to the SEC. It was probably a mistake for them to change conferences. But, you know, they need to be able to start to show they have any uh, any life before they are just looked at as the perennial doormat, you know, of the conference. And, and that's kind of where they've been the last few years. But I have – I've got Kentucky winning um, in what should be a decent game, but – yeah, that, that's kind of where, where I'm thinking it's going to land, is Kentucky winning by a, a, a comfortable margin, you know, probably nine or ten points. Rick, Rick, and you, I know you're
1: down there on the river and there's a lot of uh, uh, Wildcat fans down there, but what are your
3: thoughts, Missouri at Kentucky? Yeah, I'm with Adam. Uh, I, I think Kentucky gets this win. Uh, I love Mike Stoops at Kentucky. I think he's turned them into – a seven- and eight-win uh, a season program, which is great for how you can recruit and get players into Kentucky, you know, against the other top teams in the SEC. I think they're pesky. I think they're tough. Uh, I With Adam, with the uh, the point spread in this game, and how Kentucky wins this, uh, I'm taking Kentucky. Rick, we'll
1: stay with you, uh, you know, this is a, a game that we're going to have fun with Adam with because uh, we actually got him to mention the name of this this team at least three times last week, Washington and Michigan. I mean, the Nazis lost to Montana last week, uh, that's true, but the pressure is firmly on uh, – what team is that,
3: Adam? No, it's firmly on
1: Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. Uh, what are your thoughts, uh,
3: Rick? Uh, Michigan looked great last week, uh, unfortunately, Adam, and I can't stand them either being an Irish fan, so it, it's tough for me to say – but uh, <laughs> you compare how Michigan looked last week to how Washington looked last week. Uh, this game is a uh, a game to, a, a between a it's men versus boys basically. Uh, so I think Michigan's going to win big again this week. And uh, you know, <laughs> last week you know I, I started laying a bunch of money on games, and I was making a joke. You know, my uh, my DraftKings account does not like reflect my knowledge of college football because like, even if I came out ahead, I still took a beating. But Michigan, um, Michigan won me money last week, so I'll put my money on on them again today.
1: Adam, Washington at uh, I can't. How do you spell? What's the name of that team? <laughs> Washington uh, at Michigan, Adam. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, yeah, Adam. You
7: know, Here's the thing. The fighting khakis, they can do everything that they want. They'll beat their chest over beating Western Michigan. Who freaking cares? Uh, you know, I, I the thing was, is if you watched the game, they were, Western Michigan was moving the ball and then they would just kind of shoot themselves in the foot. A dumb penalty, a missed block on a run or something like that. I I don't think I don't think Harbaugh and and his boys win big. I think maybe they win. I wonder if Washington comes back though, because they were embarrassed against that performance against Montana, and and maybe they have a little bit more fight in them. I just don't think we can actually fairly assess like what happened with with Washington last week. I think. Uh, they, there's a W in it for, for that team up north, especially being at home in the big outhouse. Um, but they can, frankly, they can, they can win every game on their schedule. They can come undefeated to when we get to the game in November. And Ryan Day is still going to boat race him by 40. That's just reality. So... Let's let's move on over to the West Coast. Got a
1: couple more other games maybe to, to cover here. Uh, but Utah at BYU. BYU will be looking for a second Pac-12 win. Was, uh, was Rick in just as many weeks? The Utes will be much tougher than Arizona. Ute. What's a Ute? Uh, that's a my cousin Benny uh, line. You'll have to go watch the movie. But what's a what's a Ute? Uh, <laughs> Rick, have you seen the movie?
3: I have seen the movie, and I know what a Ute is. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Utah and BYU. Uh, I'm taking BYU. I think BYU played Arizona last week. Was it Arizona? And uh, they they look good. I I wondered, like, how they would look without Zach Wilson. Uh, But to me, they didn't really lose much of a step, I don't think. I mean, we'll see if the competition gets better, but I'm taking BYU today.
1: Rick, what are your thoughts? BYU, and do you know what a Ute is in the, in the reference to that movie? Uh, k- kind
7: of? I, I think I saw the movie a long, long time ago, but I can't remember. We uh, yeah, <laughs> so have I, to watch. Got There's BYU. a that, Oh, they, they've,
1: got the, no, go they've got some New York City uh, lawyers, and uh, he's talking with the New York accent, and they're down in Alabama or Mississippi, and, and he has to judge in Utes, and he, he goes, what is a Ute? Meaning use and youth. So anyway, you have to go watch the movie. Uh, but what are your th- thoughts on Utah, Birmingham?
7: Yeah, you know, I I, I think I think Utah, uh, I, I they they've they've had a really solid program under Kyle Whittingham. Uh, so i I'm, I'm I'm just going with them. Whittingham, they don't make mistakes. They play above their talent level, like on paper. He's kind of they've basically become almost like a West Coast version of Wisconsin. Uh, so yeah, I've got I've got Utah taking it um, uh, going away. Honestly, um, they they just they're always solid on both sides of the ball.
1: Rick, I know you gotta I know you gotta jump off here. I appreciate you joining us on this very special day and our, this very special show, and we appreciate your service with the Air Force. And, and hopefully the Falcons can pull this off. Any final thoughts on today? And where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir?
3: Yeah, i got a couple of things that, you know, without even – because I just learned this like a few years ago. But a Ute is the Indian tribe that's there in that area. So it just is. like uh, Florida State is the Seminoles, uh Utah's the Ute. So there you go. Now You know right. what a Ute is. Uh, uh, the other thing I would say, uh, you know, we're still in the morning here uh, on nine eleven. 11 If uh, you have wife and kids at home, they're still asleep. Look at them give him a kiss and do it for the ones that can't do it anymore. And you can find my work on the, on the Twitter at Regan underscore Rick. All right, buddy. We
1: appreciate you, yeah, and, and thanks for, for joining us, and we'll we'll see how the college football plays out for us today.
3: Yes, sir. Thanks for having me on. Always fun. All righty.
1: Rick Regan, our official college football prognosticator, but he's also a Air Force veteran, happened to be at in basic training boot camp during the 9-11. Uh, Adam, hey, you want to stay around? Or are you good to go? We got we got a couple more games we could we could talk about, but if you got to go,
7: I I have to get my family to the zoo. We have a corporate outing today. Oh, you
1: told me that. That's right. I love I love the orangutans out there. That's one of my favorite go to. <laughs> The last time we went, I, I wanted to go see the sloths, but the line was so long. So maybe you'll get to see the sloths, but the orangutans are a great, a, a, some great entertainment.
7: Oh yeah, yeah. We're. we're Adam, any final it? words of wisdom file. for us today?
1: Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry you know, to hear you. I, go ahead.
7: Oh no, 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 no. We're good. I just, uh, I, I would just say make sure if you, if you're listening and you see a service member, retired military veteran. I just – be conscious of that. This is a tough day for them, and just – I would emphasize, make sure you just thank them for their service, the time that they give. It's, a, it's the most thankless job in the world, and uh, we just need to make sure that they feel like they are cared for and loved by the, by the, the people of the country that, that wouldn't have the freedom if not for their efforts.
1: I couldn't have said it better myself. Adam, I appreciate it. Enjoy yourself at the zoo. Make sure they don't keep you there. All right. Thanks, Tom. All right, buddy. All right, buddy. Adam All right. Jividin, uh, our college football uh, co-pilot, uh, joining us for our college football talk. Today is a very special day uh, for us. Remember, use the hashtag today on Twitter, hashtag never forget, uh, and let the world know your thoughts about uh, uh, what's going on with, with 9-11 and your thoughts and your memories. If you're around the TV, certainly Fox News and other networks are are carrying it. But as each plane crashed, there's a a pause and there's a reading of the the names and the bell ringing, it is a powerful, powerful thing to watch. I would encourage you uh, to just take some time and turn on your TV today and do that. We are going to come back with our 9-11 coverage. We'll do a little bit more 9-11 coverage, and then we're going to get into our NFL talk. Uh, Ed Kratz is uh, on his way to Atlanta because uh, he's uh, with the Philadelphia Cavalry for the Philadelphia Eagles in the Atlanta week uh, week one. And we're going to be breaking down week one uh, here uh, with uh, Tony Donahue from the Tony D podcast. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network.
4: There was a lawyer once, his name was Francis Scott Key. He penned a song that I'm sure you're aware of, you've seen it. It's in most hymnals throughout our churches. It's called the National Anthem. It is our song as an American. We go, however, to a ball game. We stand in our church services and we sing the words of that song and they float over our minds and our lips and we don't even realize what we're singing. Most of us have memorized it as a child, but we've never really thought about what it means. Let me tell you a story. Francis Scott Key was a lawyer in Baltimore. The colonies were engaged in vicious conflict with the mother country, Britain. Because of this conflict and the protractedness of it, they had accumulated prisoners on both sides. The American colonies had prisoners and the British had prisoners. And the American government initiated a move. They went to the British and they said, let us negotiate for the release of these prisoners. They said, we want to send a man out to discuss this with you. They were holding the American prisoners in boats about a thousand yards offshore. And they said, we want to send a man by the name of Francis Scott Key. He will come out and negotiate to see if we can make a mutual exchange. On the appointed day, in a rowboat, he went out to this boat and he negotiated with the British officials. And they reached a conclusion that men could be exchanged on a one-for-one basis. Francis Scott Key, jubilant with the fact that he'd been successful, went down below in the boats and what he found was a cargo hold full of humanity, men. And he said, men, I've got news for you tonight, you're free. He said, tonight I have negotiated successfully your return to the colonies. He said, you'll be taken out of this boat, out of this filth, out of your chains. As he went back up on board to arrange for their passage to the shore, the Admiral came and he said, we have a slight problem. He said, we will still honor our commitment to release these men, but it'll be merely academic after tonight. It won't matter. And Francis Scott Key said, what do you mean? He said, well, Mr. Key, he said, tonight we have laid an ultimatum upon the colonies. Your people will either capitulate and lay down the colors of that flag that you think so much of, or you see that fort right over there, Fort Henry? He said, we're going to remove it from the face of the earth. He said, how are you going to do that? He said, if you will, scan the horizon of the sea. And as he looked, he could see hundreds of little dots. And he said, that's the entire British war fleet. He said, all of the gunpowder, all of the armament is being called upon to demolish that fort. It will be here within striking distance in a matter of about two and a half hours. He said, the war is over, these men would be free anyway. He said, you can't shell that fort. He said, that's that's a large fort. He said, it's full of women and children. He says it's predominantly not a military fort. They said, don't worry about it. They said, we've left them a way out. And he said, what's that? He said, do you see that flag way up on the rampart? He said, we have told them that if they will lower that flag, the shelling will stop immediately. And we'll know that they've surrendered, and you'll now be under British rule. Francis Scott Key went down below and told the men what was about to happen. And they said, how many ships? He said, hundreds the ships got closer Francis got Key went back up on top and he said men I'll shout down to you what's going on as we watch as twilight began to fall and as the haze hung over the ocean as it does at sunset suddenly the British war fleet unleashed <coughs> he says the sound was deafening there were so many guns that there were no reliefs He said it was absolutely impossible to talk or hear. He said suddenly the sky, although dark, was suddenly lit. And he says from down below, all he could hear the men, the prisoners, saying was, Tell us where the flag is. What have they done with the flag? Is the flag still flying over the rampart? Tell us. One hour, two hours, three hours into the shelling, every time the bomb would explode and it would be close to the flag they could see the flag in the illuminated red glare of that bomb and Francis Scott Key would report down to the men below it's still up. It's not down. The Admiral came and he said your people are insane. He said what's the matter with them? He said don't they understand this is an impossible situation? Francis Scott Key said, he remembered what George Washington had said, he said the thing that sets the American Christian apart from all other people in the world is he will die on his feet before he'll live on his knees. The Admiral said, we have now instructed all of the guns to focus on the rampart to take that flag down. He said, we don't understand something. Our reconnaissance tells us that that flag has been hit directly, again, and again, and again, and yet it's still flying. We don't understand that. But he said, now we're about to bring every gun for the next three hours to bear on that point. Francis Scott Keith said the barrage was unmerciful. All that he could hear was the men down below praying the prayer. God keep that flag flying where we last saw it. Sunrise came. He said there was a heavy mist hanging over the land, but the rampart was tall enough. There stood the flag, completely nondescript, in shreds. The flag pulled itself. Was at a crazy angle? the flag was still at the top. Francis Scott Key went aboard and immediately went into Fort Henry to see what had happened. And what he found had happened was that that flagpole and that flag had suffered repetitious direct hits. And when hit had fallen, but men, bothers who knew what it meant for that flag to be on the ground, although knowing that all of the British guns were trained on it, walked over and held it up humanly until they died. Their bodies were removed and others took their place. Francis Scott Key said what held that flagpole in place at that unusual angle were patriots' bodies. He penned the song, Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming? Or the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that the flag was still there. Oh say does that star-spangled banner yet fly And wave O'er the land of the free And the home of the brave The debt was demanded The price it was paid oh, say can you see
6: By God's light What so proudly we hailed At the twilight's last gleaming Whose broad stripes and bright stars Through the face together.
5: The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom.
4: When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like, Swedish techno confusing.
2: Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Ooh.
4: Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike... You know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm
6: yelling and screaming.
4: makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress
1: in our lives?
6: I'm not even upset about anything.
1: Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda
7: Oh, hi. Hi. Uh, I've hey. seen on the board. Do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here?
2: <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. No.
4: Well, it is great small batch coffee.
2: Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so... Um, you know, Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Le Pique, which, of course, in the Indonesian... Language, oh, let me finish.
7: You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just
2: going to order it They make it freshly yeah, roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. You know, back then I was a little baby. Sweet and greasy. Gotta love bread. I know. You know, there's sandwich bread over there oh, next yeah. to the coffee.
3: I bread in the bathtub. Okay, that's gross to me.
4: There's a lot I've been feeling lately. Uh, why is there a hearse at my house? Night screams the new fun of the kids. Billet! Billet! My Billet! Billet, where are you, Billet?
2: So I need to talk to you regarding money. I stomped on all the fun chunks. My grief has a scent like suffering. A rusty navel? How to get rusty? Look at this bug! It's an honor to meet you, my lord. <laughs>
1: Welcome back to the balance. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente on this very very special day, uh, very very special show. Uh, first 30 minutes we spent time just thinking back over the last 20 years. We had Scott Lamb, uh, Infantry U.S. Army Infantry, and was in the uh, War on Terror, uh, was in uh, airborne training on the day of 9/11. We had Rick Reagan, which is our normal college football uh, and helping us out with college football. Join us as well as he was in the Air Force basic boot camp training on the day one uh, on on nine eleven, and you know I'm a veteran myself. I was in the Army myself and was on many different training uh, things and never. Had I heard the stories, but I heard them, too, talk about how everything stopped. They stopped training. They stopped everything. It was an incredible day. Uh, so we've been taking time today to remember 9-11. Twenty years ago, our country changed uh, forever. And then we had our college football talk with Adam Jividen, Rick Riggin, and Scott stuck around with us for a little bit. And now we're getting ready. And, and, and that last, at the end of that last segment, I just thought that was a great story about the origin of the, the Star Spangled banner. You have to go check that out. We will get it up on on social media. But joining us now is Tony Donahue of the Tony D podcast. Uh, Tony, uh, thanks for filling in with us. Uh, uh, Ed is uh, on his way to Atlanta uh, to cover the Phillies. I mean, the Phillies, yeah. uh, The Eagles, the Philadelphia Eagles and the uh, Atlanta Falcons. And he's like, I got to admit, I'm a little bit nervous about flying today, but hopefully all safe. Tony, let's get, take a few seconds with you t- today to talk about what today is and maybe what it means to you. And do you? I know you're a little bit younger than a lot of us, but do you kind of remember what happened on that day 20 years ago?
8: Yeah, it was almost uh, like a hit. I mean, it was. It was a history lesson in the making. You didn't really realize what was going on. I mean, I was in sixth grade, so I was 12. You didn't really realize what was going on. You just thought, "Oh man!" Like what? There was just so many questions that everybody had, and 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 you know it happened so early in the morning. So, you, and, and and where I was, it was Central Time. So it was you just spent the entire day just watching and 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 seeing the the terror and the the horrific scenes out of New York, and and, and not really knowing what was going on and, and trying to understand and digest what it what had just happened and 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 what it meant and and now you know crazy enough 20 years later you look back and just all the different storylines and the heroes that emerged and you know the the way things have gone over the last you know even uh even the last year or last couple of weeks and um just 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 crazy situation and um you know just kind of glad that um you know, things have changed since then, and um, you know, we seem to be a lot safer. I know things have changed here over the last couple of weeks, but yeah, you, you just you, you you can't think you can't think the the service men and women enough.
1: Absolutely, you know, it's just it really just kind of uh, full circle around with us being around sports, getting ready to talk about football. If you remember, just. It was just a total dead silence. And then I believe it was the Giants and the Jets, you might correct me on this, that played that first game after the uh, 9-11 attacks, and just how surreal uh, that was. And just, you know, just across the the world, and we heard Melissa, our social media director, talk about how she worked at the airport at the time on 9-11 and just how surreal it was. That they were using all the run races just to bring uh, planes in. And, you know, Flight 93 was uh, – the plane that crashed in Pennsylvania and the term that we know let's roll uh, obviously some true heroes on board that plane overtook the cockpit. Certainly uh, everybody lost their lives, but probably prevented thousands more uh, from dying. That plane was actually being tracked from here in Indianapolis. So it was good to kind of hear her story and, and that, that sort of thing. So, you know, take time today, guys, you know, and, you know, think a veteran, think a first responder. You know, just uh, remember how how fortunate we are to to be Americans because we are truly in the greatest country of all time. That said, we go into week one of the NFL. Let's recap uh, what a game on Thursday night, uh, Tony, uh, and especially if you're a fantasy football guy. But fantasy football idiot like me, I just thought, okay, on one of my leagues, I've got I had Dak Dak Prescott as my my starting quarterback, and I thought, well. I'm just gonna go ahead and play Jalen Hurts, on and I'm gonna have Jalen in a couple ones actually. Uh, and so I set him. I set Gronk. How stupid of me was on on that? But, but but also, Tom Brady comes off with a win. He still gets credit for a win. But I think the win, actually, even if it's not on the scoreboard, goes to the Dallas Cowboys on Thursday.
8: Yeah, I thought Dak Prescott played really well. There's so many questions about him coming in. You know, he was he was injured in the off season. Um, is he the guy that can play and keep the Cowboys relevant here over the next couple of years? And, and to go on national TV, first game of the year, Tampa Bay's rocking. They get their, their Super Bowl rings, playing against the greatest uh, quarterback of all time. Played really well. But some of the throws that Tom Brady made just continues to prove that he is the greatest of all time. I mean, he was making throws that were just incredible. I mean, over the, over the back shoulder of the defender, right into the hands of his receiver, Gronk gets two touchdowns. Godwin had a big day. Um, Antonio Brown even had a lot of a lot of yardage. Um, just 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 Tom, even though it was a thirty-one to twenty-nine game, and I was a little bit upset with the fact that, you know, I thought Tom was going to score late. I mean, they they had the ball inside the thirty-yard line, and he kind of he kind of threw three straight passes out of bounds. I wanted to see him score again. You know, you don't want to rely on your field goal kicker to hit a to hit a forty you know forty-yard field goal to win it when you can just put it in the end zone to win it as well. So. Um, Was a little bit surprised by that, but yeah, great, great game by Tom Brady, great game by Dak Prescott, Um, and you really couldn't ask for more as far as getting the NFL started and having all that offense and all the yardage that the quarterbacks put up. Tony Donahue the Tony D
1: Podcast. Let's go ahead and move around the league, and let's start right here in our backyard with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, a lot going on with the Colts in the offseason. Obviously getting Carson Wentz. Uh, and Carson Wentz getting hurt. Jacob Eason uh, coming in and doing a fantastic or At least we know what we got with him. Uh, and really, uh, for uh, a hot minute I thought he was going to at least be our starting quarterback for week one and two. Carson is going to be at the helm, uh, but we've got all kinds of issues around him with him not getting vaccinated, Let's get down that path apparently a decision that he's made with his family you know i i don't understand the decision but i'm not going to be all pro back i i mean i'm vaccinated i know you are i think that's just where we're at in the world we are but he also has the right to make the decision that what's best for him and so it, it you know it is what it is and we go out there and play and i know he's getting tested regularly but certainly in the spotlight on, on Car- carson wentz uh but you know we, we we've got a lot of stories as we as, as Seattle comes in. It's going to be great to have fans back there. Jonathan Taylor's going to be on fire. Paris C- uh, Campbell's going to be on fire. I look for great stuff from uh, uh, Jack uh, Jack Doyle this year. I look for some great overall uh, awesome awesomeness if that's the word from Michael Pittman Jr. We look at the cold school in week one. Tony, what say you?
8: It's a lot of running. It's a lot of running game. Carson Wentz doesn't have the weapons that um you know even that he added Philadelphia and and there's a lot of question marks on this team and it starts with Carson Wentz i think he's on a short he's on a short leash with fans here in Indianapolis um you know we've talked about it all summer since they signed him back you know what was that 8 you know february mm-hmm. there's a lot of questions with Carson Wentz and i think the fan base is at the at their breaking point can you come out and perform can you come out and win football games can you come out and, you know, keep the offense moving because if not, the fans are going to not be happy because, look, you've already pissed them off a few times by getting hurt, the whole vaccination situation, um, which I don't understand either, especially from a guy who seems to be so religious and want to do the right things off the field. You know, he's got, a, he's got a food truck that he feeds the homeless. He's got, um, you know, all these charities and all these, all these people that he supports. Um, short leash for Carson Wentz. Um, I think this team loses to Seattle tomorrow. I think this team starts going four. I hope you're wrong,
1: but <laughs> that still doesn't mean that we, we can't uh, rebound on that. But I, I do agree with you. Hopefully this whole uh, distraction with car, Carson Wentz goes away soon so we can focus on, on playing some football. Let's go on over and stay in the AFC South here. we got the Texans and the Jaguars. I mean, the Jaguars, I think the spread is 10 in favor of, of, the, of the Jags. You know, the spreads a little bit better than I do. I don't see there's much uh, here love for the Houston Texans. I don't think the Jaguars are going to be a playoff team by any stretch of the imagination, but they certainly have some weapons that in Trevor Lawrence that are looking to prove themselves. And, you know, there's a lot of young talent and young receivers there on, on the Jaguar uh, squad. What are your thoughts?
8: Yeah. I mean, give me the Texans plus 10. I don't think there's going to be a lot of scoring in this game. You know, Trevor Lawrence, the number one overall pick, number one overall picks from the last couple of years have not really trended well in week like number one. Um, I think it's going to be a low scoring 16-13, 13-10 type of game. So um, with with not a lot of points being scored, I'll say the Texans 10.
1: Let's go on uh, across the the, the league here. So as we try to get through a a lot of these games, this is Ed's game. He's actually uh, headed down to Atlanta to cover this game. It's the Falcons and Atlanta. Obviously a lot of stories there in in the Philadelphia Phillies area, uh, you know, Again, all eyes are on Jalen Hurts. I know mine is for fantasy football, and it's. I, I know he had some some illness issues, but I mean they've got some new coaches there. There's a lot of stories with uh, the with Philadelphia. I don't know what the spread is for sure, uh, but the Atlanta Falcons again at home uh, look to start their season off with a, with a W, and, and 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 probably have a very good chance of doing that.
8: You, know, you talk about two teams that are just really inconsistent. You don't know what you're gonna get. Matt Ryan is the type of guy that you know, I mean, they went to the Super Bowl what four years ago, they blew that lead and they've and, and they've they've shown that they're really good now with Julio Jones not there. Matt Ryan kind of on the back end of his career. Um, you know, he's got a big tight end Kyle Pitch that took in the top five of the NFL draft. Um just two just two teams that I think are not gonna have consistency throughout the year. Um so it's kind of like a who's not going to turn over the ball the most type of game will probably end up winning tomorrow in Atlanta. We're talking
1: with Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast. Let's talk about the Chargers and that team called Washington. Uh, What are your thoughts on on that game as as we look at what's going on over there?
8: Yeah, I mean, we'll see what Justin Herbert can do going to the East Coast, kind of his first real true road test. Washington's got a really good defense. Uh, Fitzpatrick is a good quarterback. He's not going to lose games for you. He's going to manage games. He's going to get it to the running backs. You know, he's got some big, big weapons at the tight in position. Terry McLaurin at at the wide receiver. Um, I, I like the Chargers in a slight edge in this one, but, but I think this is going to be a, a, a very competitive game.
1: Let's look at the Cardinals and the Titans. Uh, You know, I always feel like not overreacting week one uh, of the the year, but Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury need to take that proverbial leap uh, this year. I don't know if it'll happen or not, uh, but what are your thoughts? The Cardinals and the Titans, I mean, I think a lot of people think uh, that the Cardinals are going to win. I don't know what the spread on that is. Uh, You're better at that stuff than I am, Uh, but I, I think the Cardinals do pull off a win over the Titans.
8: Yeah, I mean this is a game tomorrow that when you look at the Cardinals and you look at the Titans, these are these are these are teams that are going to be right on the cusp of making the playoffs. So you need every win that you can get. Weird things happen in week number one of the NFL season. It happens every year where you think that one team's going to be better than the other, or this should be a blowout, and it ends up being close, or one team keeps it really close. So um, I think the Cardinals will give the Titans a run for their money, but I think there's too many weapons on on the offensive side of the Titans. So I'll pick Tennessee. To, to get off to a one of those no starts. You know, let's look down the schedule a, a little
1: bit. In I believe it's week four. Tampa will be back home. I mean, Tom Brady, let me start this over. Tampa will be at New England, New England at home, and uh, Tom Brady will be back fo- at Foxborough. There's a very good chance, according to those that know uh, and predict these things, there's a very good chance that Tom Brady could become the all-time leading passer in the NFL ever at Foxboro, do they stop the game, give him the ball, and does he get the acclimates? uh, It's it's going to kind of be like maybe a Peyton Manning returning to uh, Lucas Oil as a Bronco. What do you think about that matchup?
8: Yeah, I mean, we'll see where New England is. Obviously, you cut Cam Newton, you're going to go with Mac Jones. um, And, you know, everybody thinks that Mac Jones is going to be a lot better than maybe what he was projected just because he ended up going to New England. because. He's got that experience with with Bill Belichick, so yeah, I think you definitely stop the game. You, you make a moment of it, um, and because it is a huge accomplishment, it's, it's, and it's a big deal that you know we may never see again. So you definitely got to take the, the 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 proper recognition to um, be able to um, you know sit there and say, hey, this is a great accomplishment. This is something that we're not maybe going to see again. So congratulations. We really loved what you did here in New England, obviously, and, uh, you know, I think it'll be all good.
1: I think it'll be, I think the reaction will be
8: much more
1: on a higher level with it happening in that New England, as opposed to maybe if it happened somewhere else. I mean, it's certainly a great accomplishment. He's certainly a first-round Hall of Famer, but the fact that it actually would happen at New England, New England I think that just, it kicks it up a few notches. Talk about the Vikings at the Bengals uh, tomorrow uh, down in Cincinnati. Kirk Cousins has done a very good job this uh, offense of, you know, making the Minnesota Vikings unattractive uh, look better, I guess, is the word that I'm trying to, to get at. I think the Vikings look very, very good. I haven't had a lot of time to look at the, the Bengals, but I still feel like I think the, the last thing that I heard somebody talk about the spread with this was around a, a minus three to the Vikings. Uh, but I think the Vikings, 28-17, 28-20, in that ballpark is kind of where we're looking at. What are you thinking
8: about the Vikings at the Bengals? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think the Bengals, you know, Joe Burrow still doesn't have a lot under his belts because of the injury last year. Um, the Vikings are a good team. And, you know, they're one of those teams as well, kind of like the Cardinals and Titans that we talked about. Um, you know, they're on the cusp of maybe making the playoffs. They've got a good defense. So um, it should be a close one. I, I think the Bengals have a slight edge just because the Vikings are on the road, but this is one of those games that come down to a last second field goal. And I think it will come down.
1: I don't know. It'll be that, that close, but we'll see what happens. The Jets are at the Panthers. Uh, and uh, this might be a revenge game for Sam uh, Darnold, uh But what are your thoughts about the Jets at the Panthers uh, and, and see what happens there? Uh I think the Panthers are going to pull off a win against the there. And uh, I, I, I don't know how Donald's going to do, but this is, looks like kind of a, a revenge game for him.
8: Yeah, I, I think Sam Donald's going to have to come out and play well. You know, he wants to prove to the Jets that, hey, maybe they made a mistake. Maybe they, um, you know, should have kept him. But uh, Zach Wilson for the Jets quarterback is a guy that I think um, really has a lot to, lot to prove, a lot to show. Uh, I think he's going to be a rookie of the year candidate, but don't be surprised if the Jets go into Carolina and get a win.
1: The game that I think everybody's going to be watching in the NFL, uh, outside of the one that we watched on Thursday, is the Steelers at the Bills. You've got a very proven Steelers team. Uh, Big Ben is here to say that he's fine. He's good to go. you got that huge Steeler fan base that, that follow the Steelers. Then you've got the Bills, and they're at the Bills. And we have seen the Bills mature a lot over the last few years. And I'm telling you, we're saying it early, and I know this may be uh, week one, uh, false predictions. But I look for the Bills. We're going to be looking for them deep, at them deep into the postseason, see how that happens. But the Steelers at the Bills are going to be one of those games. And I certainly think the Bills are going to win game one at home.
8: Yeah, Allen's a guy that's ready to become, you know, an MVP type of quarterback and take that next step. We saw what they did last year um, as far as, you know, moving moving things along and getting into the playoffs, getting the Bills mafia back into the playoffs, giving them some hope. And I think you have got to continue to build off of that. Um, you know, it, it starts here week one. you got to take care of the – you know, to be a playoff team and, and to make noise, you've got to take care of what's in front of you and, and, and beat the team that you should beat. And then certainly – um, includes the Steelers tomorrow for the Bills.
1: So next we go to the 49ers at the Lions. Okay, so the uh, the um, I need the 49ers to win because of, of because of you, Tony. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> that was my my first pick on, on our elimination. So uh, I need the 49ers to win, but I, I I think that's a very good solid pick too. Uh, 49ers uh, definitely come into Detroit. I, I don't. I'm not any, seeing anything that really excites me. Uh, about the
8: Lions in week one, week one? Yeah, I mean, you don't know what you're going to get out of Jared Goff. Uh, there's a lot of question marks there with, with the running back position and, and, and you know, who's going to be playing. I think when you look at the 49ers, too, there's a lot of questions. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo is the starter, but he's the guy that, you know, is, 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 is a couple of years removed uh, after taking his team to the Super Bowl, and all of a sudden he's fighting for his position with Trey Lance, who was the third overall pick in the NFL draft. So, You've got uh, a lot of question marks on both sides of the football. Um, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think Detroit will keep it close. But at the end of the day, I think the 49ers will be a team that um, will have the ability to get the defensive stops tomorrow that they need um, to, to get a week, week one win to start the season.
1: This next matchup, I'm intrigued about. It. You know, It's the David and Goliath matchup, if you will. The Browns at the Chiefs. Uh, this is the uh, Goliath moment, if you will, for Cleveland and, and Baker Mayfield. Remember last, last year the Chiefs had him down on the mat in the playoffs. Uh, dangerously, dangerously close to, to taking out the new AFC dynasty. Uh, of course, there was some, you know, Andy Reid made some changes and made that happen. But the, the Browns are weird because they're super analytical and yet the most analytical football sites are down on them because they overachieved last year. So uh, this is a good matchup. I think this is going to be a fun matchup too. It's again, a David and Goliath moment, if you will. Uh, But the, the Browns the Chiefs, I think it's going to say a lot about both organizations,
8: but I think the Browns are going to be a very good team again this year. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're the Browns, this is, you don't necessarily have to win this game, but if you're this team that's got Baker Mayfield, and and you're not going to be the Browns that everybody's used to of the past, um, this, these, these are games that you have to win. These are games that you have to, um, you know, make sure that you contend in. And if, these are games that you need to prove. Look, if we're going to be taken seriously in the NFL consistently over the next couple of years, then we need to we need to compete in these games. They can't go out and get blown away thirty-one to seven. So. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I I think they will stay at it. It'll be a shootout, but as always, per usual, um, I think the the, the Chiefs will have too many weapons to not win this game. It'll be it be a fun game to watch, that's for sure. Uh,
1: the Packers at the Saints obviously gonna be playing in Jacksonville because of Ida and all the damage that's gone on down there in New Orleans yet again, unfortunately. Uh but the the, the game is gonna be played in Jacksonville and, and you know, which could be a pretty massive from a home field perspective. Uh, the Saints are going to certainly have a wild, see- wanted to have a wild scene in the in the Superdome. Uh, but we'll, you know, we'll see what happens with Jameis Winston. But one thing you can be assured of is Aaron Rodgers is going to come out a guns a blazing in Week One,
8: especially this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I think when you look at this, um, you know, the home field advantage is taken away, which is which is unfortunate. Um, for the Saints, Jameis Winston making his first ever start uh, for the Saints. Uh, you know, I I almost wish this game was played like Monday night here in Indianapolis. You know, there was talks that well, maybe 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 we can mm-hmm. continue to play this game, in, or maybe it's something that we can we, we can do here in India. Obviously, that didn't happen, but um, yeah, I think Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers is going to be an absolute tear to start the season. Give me uh, give me the Packers all day.
1: Let's look at the Broncos and the Giants. The Broncos are at the Giants. This is going to be a, a bloodbath. So, uh, by all intensiveness, this is certainly going to be one of those battles to the end. It I look, certainly looks like for, for this to be a low-scoring game, very high-defensive game. I do think the Broncos win in a very tight one, though, maybe a 17-10 type of a scenario. What do you think about the Broncos
8: at the Giants? Yeah, I mean, two teams that there's just a lot of question marks, young quarterbacks, decent defenses. Um, who can manage the game, who can move the football will be key. I'll give the slight advantage to the Giants, but it's going to be a close, ugly game.
2: Look at the
1: Dolphins at the Patriots. I mean, I know a lot of people are probably bullish on the pay- Patriots, but, you know, they've got, as we mentioned a while ago, uh, rookie uh, Mac Jones that he's trying to go with instead of Cam Newton. I think a lot of people scratched their head on that. But we also know that uh, Tom – I mean, uh, that Bill Bla- – uh, The coach of the (laughs) the Patriots, uh, Bill Belichick, does have a a funky way of coming up with with quarterbacks. And if we remember several years ago, obviously, uh, he introduced us to a young rookie quarterback by the name of Tom Brady. Could Mac Jones be that next sequel to Tom Brady? I don't think so. But because he doesn't have that history and because Bill Belichick has a way of finding things in young quarterbacks that nobody else sees, what do we see in Mac Jones? I mean, what are your thoughts overall on this game?
8: I mean, yeah, he better uh, because they have they they, they 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 let Cam Newton go. They said, all right, we don't need you. We're going to grow with Mac Jones. And um, that's either going to look like a really good um, fit, a really good scenario, or it's going to look bad. So, you know, as much as Bill Belichick's already proven himself, the NFL is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately type of league. So they're going to have to uh, – He's going to have to continue to prove that this is the right move and this, this, this was the way to go. So it'll be, it'll be very interesting to see um, what Mac Jones can do in, in, in his rookie debut. He's got a couple of their quarterbacks he's contending with um, as far as for the rookie of the, of the year position, and we'll see what he can do. You know he, they, they, they put a lot of interest in him. Um, you know They wanted him to feel comfortable. That's why they, 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 they moved Cam Newton out and brought him in. So um, it's a big risk. We'll see if the reward starts to pay off tomorrow.
1: Absolutely. So we will to our, our primetime game tomorrow night, football night in America, if you will. Bears at the Rams. I mean, it's a pretty simple handicap here. Uh, the Bears' offense is terrible. Andy Dalton struggles badly when he's pressured. Uh, the Rams have Aaron Donald and, and Sean McVay. Uh, those, that, that doesn't lose in week one. Uh, the, the Rams should definitely come in. I, I mean, the Bears should definitely expect a, a beatdown, if you will out in L.A. The Rams should hammer the Bears pretty handily. 21-10, I think, is a, is a fair way to look at this. There, there's a lot
3: of work to happen
1: there with with uh, the Bears. So what are your thoughts on the Bears and the
8: Rams? Yeah, you're right. I mean, how quickly did they pull the trigger on Andy Dalton and go with um, Justin Fields, the guy that, 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 that fans want to see, but doesn't quite have the experience. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I think the Rams absolutely blow them out. And on our Monday
1: night game, uh, the the Ravens at the Raiders. I'm not really particularly excited about the Raiders this year, but uh, this is week this week one matchup uh, should be a good spot for them, especially since Baltimore's ability uh, to pound the ball uh, is is lacking there. Up going to be a, I think a close game, but I do think the Raiders do win this game in week one at home somewhere around maybe the 24-21
8: range. Yeah, you know, the, the the thing is with the Raiders is that, you know, they're that team that everybody thinks every year all over. They're, they're going to make the move. And, and going to Vegas, it's going to be tough to go play. We really don't know because there really hasn't been too much with COVID and, and fans in and that situation. So uh, if the Raiders are going to make moves, it starts here in week one by being able to knock off a really good Ravens team but a Ravens team that's really dinged up by injuries.
1: Tony Donahue for the Tony D podcast joins us uh, for some NFL talk on this very special show. Tony, before we let you go, how, how you? I know you're in our fantasy football league here with the Valance. How you feeling about week, week one for, for your
8: team there in the fantasy football league? Yeah, we'll see. Um, you know, you you're really <laughs> don't know. And, and until you get some consistency the first couple of weeks, right. um, you know, I always look at fantasy football in the first few weeks and say, if I can get a win off the bat or go two and one, I'm happy. Um, but I don't panic if I'm one and two or oh and three, because there's still a lot of time to improve and, 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 and keep
3: moving on things.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Tony, we do appreciate you joining us. Where can people uh, find your working masterpieces? What are you working on on the podcast this week, sir? Sure.
8: Yeah. A lot of IndyCar stuff, dot will have ready to go. Um, and we'll, we'll just keep on keeping on.
1: Keep on keeping on. All right, buddy, we'll talk with you soon, and have yourself a good and safe weekend, sir. You too. Take care. Tony Donahue, Tony D Podcast, stepping in and helping us uh, uh, fill our NFL segment. Uh, uh, thoughts with Ed Kratz. I know this is kind of a different day to be flying. He's flying down to Atlanta. So, I mean, certainly positive thoughts for everybody. Uh, but this has been one of those special shows today, and I want to take time to, to thank everybody who – who took some time with us today, uh, Scott Lamb, a uh, former Army infantryman uh, that was on, in airborne training on, on 9-11, uh, also uh, certainly deployed in, in the war on terror, uh, uh, Rick Riggin, our college football extraordinaire, uh, <laughs> uh, was in basic training boot camp with the Air Force on, on, on 9-11 on that day. Uh, and when the... T- great story from our social media director Melissa on on her where her where her placement was at the Indianapolis airport and it's so certainly my story and you know the the, the things that we had uh, in you know the sound bites that we played and i i just encourage you and we're going to be doing the same thing um, today throughout the entire day we're just going to be tweeting and hashtagging uh, never forget just use that hashtag just just for the purposes of having it, having it there. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at T-Balance, and make sure that you follow us on uh, the Facebook, The Balance. Um, and wherever you're listening to us in your podcast, just go ahead and hit um, like and, and subscribe so that you get an automatic hit whenever we get going and when we drop our show. The good thing about our show is the podcast. My name is Tom Marcos El Presidente. Today is a very special day in the history of the United States.